you are listening to Hypertension Resistant to Treatment, where you will get knowledge, training, resources, and support for better blood pressure control. If you are suffering with high blood pressure or blood pressure that is difficult to treat, this podcast is indeed for you. Here is your host, Dr. Tanya. I am Dr. Tanya, and I am here to teach you everything you ought to know about hypertension management. I am a clinical scientist, and I've done research over 10 years, and I've found some interesting things about hypertension and blood pressure control and medication-taking behavior. I would like to share with you all of the information I've found, as well as all the information that's out there that, that will help you get control of your blood pressure. Stick with me and we'll take this journey to help you improve your blood pressure. Thanks for listening. Hello, hypertension resistors. Today, I want to talk to you about this new ivermectin study that was just released early March. It was a randomized controlled trial published in the Journal of American Medical Association. Now, this study was done because ivermectin is widely prescribed now as a potential treatment for COVID-19. Some people seem to think that there is some uncertainty about ivermectin's clinical benefits. So the reason why these scientists did this study was to determine if ivermectin is effective in treating COVID-19. And the researchers found no significant evidence to support ivermectin efficacy among young, healthy people who were less than 38 years old and who had mild COVID-19 symptoms. Some healthcare providers may become confused by these findings and think that ivermectin may not be helpful in treating their patients who have mild COVID-19 symptoms. But in this video, I'm going to give you three reasons why you don't have to be concerned about the study findings at all. And I will tell you why I am cautiously optimistic about the findings of this study. Let's get to it. The first reason why you don't have to be concerned about the negative findings in this study is because the researchers stated that the study was not powered for the primary imprint. In other words, the study was not large enough to detect a difference. So the study didn't detect a difference because there were not there were not enough patients in the study to detect a difference. It sounds like they needed to do another sample size calculation after they changed the end part. So we would suspect not to find any difference. <laughs> do I need to go further? Okay, let's talk about the second reason. Second reason why you don't have to worry about the negative findings of this study is that there have been several other studies that have been done. Higher levels of evidence that are available in meta-analysis have shown that ivermectin is effective. This randomized control trial is just one study, which is not adequate evidence compared to the meta-analysis that have been done about ivermectin that has shown that ivermectin is effective. Here is Dr. Nasiba Kathrada. She is a medical doctor practicing in South Africa. She is part of the COVID home management team. Here is her take on the study. If you take some time to actually read the study that was published, there are so many holes in that study. Mm. Firstly, and I'd like to highlight, uh, at the bottom, they tell you who paid for the study to be done. So it was GlaxoSmithKline, uh, Sanofi, and Janssen. Those names sound familiar? 
those are the same people who are involved in the vaccine trials. And I'm quite sure Merck was there as well. And Merck has also joined Janssen now for doing uh, vaccines. The Janssen is Johnson & Johnson. Mm. The other things about that study is that the study was done on a group of fairly young people. So the median age was 37. Mm. And it was only in a group of people that had mild symptoms. Now, we're in this pandemic for over a year. The one thing we do know is that 80% of people will have moderate, mild to moderate illness and will recover. So whether they took ivermectin or anything else, those people will recover. Mm. And the, the study findings actually had to change because initially the study was supposed to be for people who had mild symptoms, a double-blinded control study, which means some people got ivermectin and some people did not. And they were going to see days to worsening symptoms. So how long does it take for people who are on ivermectin to worsen symptoms? And how long for people who are not on ivermectin to worsen symptoms? And then they suddenly realize, hey, wait a minute, nobody's getting worse, everyone's getting better. Mm. So let's change the study, which is done sometimes during a trial, you have to fill in paperwork, et cetera, et cetera, to get your protocol changed, mm. which they did. But let's highlight that. They changed it to see how quickly people get better. But that was a change in the middle mm. of the study, which is huge. And then also the study goes to show the side effects. And the side effects profile in the ivermectin group is actually less than the placebo group. But then wait, there's a big whopper. Somewhere around September, October, the pharmacist was dishing out these samples to the people who were managed at home, by the way. They were not in a hospital setting. Mm. They were not in a controlled environment. They were given a suspension to take home. So we know ivermectin comes in tablets. So they were not given ivermectin tablets. They were given a suspension. Mm. They had to take it home. And the only way that they knew compliance was when they brought back empty bottles. So this person has gone home for X amount of days. They come back with an empty bottle. And just because they got an empty bottle, you're going to say that that person took the ivermectin? Mm, mm. That's the first thing. Second thing is the pharmacist was dishing out the suspension, suddenly realized, wait a minute, for two weeks between October, I think it was 29th and uh, November something, 15th, all the people got ivermectin. They made a mistake and they gave everybody ivermectin. So they go, okay, so we corrected for mm. that, we removed all the people. Yeah. But if it happened once, how do we know it didn't happen again? Yeah. And here's the biggest thing that I saw when I read the study. It was the doses that they were using in the ivermectin suspension, which we don't know too much about, was higher than what we are advocating to be used. And mm. nobody died. Yeah. Nobody had adverse side effects, which the study actually shows ivermectin is safe drug. It's a mm. safe drug. That's mm. what the study showed me. So, yeah, safety, safety. That is the main finding of this study. This is very useful. It confirmed what we already knew from previous studies, especially Dr. Pierre Corey's study. That was a meta-analysis, which is a higher level of evidence than a randomized controlled trial, an individual randomized controlled trial. The third reason why you shouldn't be concerned about these negative findings is because actually in reality, these, this study was done with young, healthy individuals and this was for the treatment of mild COVID-19. So the results of this one randomized control trial is not generalizable. That means that it just can't be applied to other populations, to other groups. It cannot be applied to other groups. It only can be applied to young, healthy people with mild COVID symptoms. doesn't apply to the prophylaxis of uh, ivermectin. It doesn't apply to patients who are 
older than 37, it doesn't apply. I mean, it's a limited study. So I wouldn't be too concerned about it at all. But I'm, I'm going to use the words of Dr. Anthony Fauci, and I'm going to say that I am cautiously optimistic about the findings of this study for three reasons. And one is that this study has shown that ivermectin is safe because of the dose of ivermectin that was given to this patients and nobody got sick. The second reason why I'm optimistic, I'm cautiously optimistic, is because this study has shown that ivermectin is not really that useful in who are 37 and younger because those people are going to just recover on their own anyway. So that's why I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about it because people who are 37 and younger will probably not need ivermectin. And if we have a stockpile of ivermectin and we run into a shortage, that's good news that perhaps we could not worry about treating those patients with ivermectin and giving it to everybody who is 38 and above. And the last reason why I'm cautiously optimistic about the findings of this study is that now we know that a suspension of ivermectin may not be a good idea. So we know to give tablets instead. Because in this study, in this randomized controlled trial, a suspension was given and then there was some error that happened due to the suspension. Is it? But anyway, I am cautiously optimistic about the results. Cautiously, I have some caution because of the mistakes that were done in the study and all the other issues as well. So what do you think about the conflict of interest disclosure? Let me know in the comments below. That's all I have for you today. Stay tuned for the next Hypertension Resistant to Treatment, where we'll talk more about trending topics and what everybody ought to know about hypertension for good blood pressure control. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next one.